Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. This is Lou Gerlach. I'm so glad you've decided to join us for confession number 13, which is starting agency with five easy steps. If you joined us for our last episode, you're probably your brain is blowing out right now and saying, Lou, you had me, but then you had to go there. It was so deep. So now we're going to pull back a little bit as we're kind of moving on from agency and going towards action and that relationship. We want to leave you with some simple changes that you can do to bring about agency within your classroom right away. That's where you can start. So this podcast is all about that. What are some simple changes that you can make in your classroom, in your teaching, that will lay the groundwork for agency, and then you can build up how you bring about voice, how you bring about choice, how you bring about ownership, and all of that. Always leave you with those little manageable bite-sized pieces. So when you think about these simple changes to bring about agency into your classroom, what are they? So scouring, you know, the um, awesomeness of other people, because that's what we do. I came across a really amazing poster from Sonia Turberg, who did this really amazing synopsis about agency and what it looks like. And I kind of adapted it for myself, but I wanted to give her the credit because she really inspired a lot of um, amazing ideas. So when you're thinking about um, these changes, they're going to be structure, how your classroom is structured, the relationships, collaboration, resources, and the environment. So we're going to zoom into these um, different components and see how they're going to help your practice become better with agency. So let's discuss structure. Structure is how time is being used during the day. Who decides how much time is spent on different activities and the different parts of the unit of inquiry. Time is the greatest factor in developing new ideas. So when we, when we rush the time to get through the content, we miss those key opportunities to have those aha moments and to innovate. So structure is very important. Is it very linear? Is there flexibility? Is there time to go back and revisit ideas I don't understand? These are big considerations when you're thinking of the structure of your day. Now let's go on to number two, relationships. Let's think about how relationships create new opportunities for growth. Who decides which relationships will develop? Because the right pairing can build up strengths and support areas of growth. Conversely, they can do the opposite, right? And so how are we going to build relationships that allow students to demonstrate those leadership qualities and the agency they have within them? So who's deciding how these learners are connecting with each other? How's that learning being supported? And, you know, largely it really comes down to 
who's controlling the learning that's happening, the constraints, the, the circumstances, and how is the community involved in building relationships with each other? Whew. I said it was going to be light, didn't I? Now, thinking about the third one, which is collaboration, because collaboration brings about new ideas. When working together, who is doing most of the talking? Is it the strongest voices or is there a balance between? This is something we've talked about previously because collaboration has the potential to generate novel ideas through the power of the group. But this can only happen if everyone is valued equally. And so it's really important to know you know, who's doing the talking, but who's also actively listening? Is there a dynamic there? Is it equally shared? Who gets to make the decisions for the group? And how are these groups then created to um, foster collaboration to the highest? Now, the third one, I'm sorry, the fourth one is looking at resources. So we're going to look at resources because they cement the understanding of ideas. What resources are being used and who decides how to use them? When students self-select resources to guide their learning, there's a greater chance of transfer to new learning situations. So when we allow students to use a wider range of resources, it provides a greater chance of success. So thinking about resources, are students using a variety of resources that they would find in everyday life, in their future, you know, jobs and future learning situations? Are there some um, underused resources that are being presented um, so that students can tinker and figure out the use themselves or possibly um, redefine an alternative use? And the fifth one is environments, because environments reflect the values of the group. Who decides how the class will be designed and what types of seating is used? When learners co-design the learning experience, they feel more part of the learning experience. It reflects their unique learning style and how they learn best. So we're looking at the environment and how does it ultimately reflect the learner's needs and helps them to become the most successful. And when these decisions are being made about the learning environment, are all the students represented or is it just the vast majority? And so these are some major considerations, but there are minor things that we can change. Um, just thinking a little bit differently because when we release some of the control of the learning environment, magical things uh, begin to happen. Our students, you know what, secretly they know how they learn best. They've been living their little bodies their whole life. And when we listen to their suggestions and they become more connected to the learning experience, then they become more driven to create. And remember, that's at the heart of agency is we want to get kids to create based on their own passions and their own ideas 
not because they want to comply with what you want them to do. And isn't that what we want as teachers? The greatest, the greater question here is, are you willing to give up some of the control to achieve it? When I was a teacher, man, I went through this metamorphosis with student agency. In truth, I'm going to own it. I controlled most of the inquiry and structure of the classroom experiences while I was developing my understanding of the PYP. And about teaching in, in general, and after about five to six years of experiencing, you know, inquiry and conceptual-based um, learning experiences, I was able to release some of the control of the classroom design and the materials used in the learning. And as time went by, I was finding myself conferring more with my students regularly on projects and how to show their understanding of the big ideas in the unit of inquiry. And most of the time, my students came up with better ideas than I had. And I think that's the power of the group, where you're bouncing ideas off of each other. Did, did agency come naturally? Absolutely not. It was something that I had to learn. Like everything else, it took a lot of practice. It took a lot of trust um, in the process that it would turn out all right because I had certain objectives I had to teach. I had certain timelines I had to reach, but I had to have faith in my students that it would all come around full circle and that we would hit everything that I needed to hit and that the students could become better it, than if I guided the whole experience. In the end, you will not see a transformative change until the whole real school community takes this on. Because if we have agency only in specific classrooms, that movement, that feeling and that freeing experience will not transfer and not transcend an individual teacher. And imagine what it must be like for a student who has complete agency, or I shouldn't say complete because, well, more learner-driven agency of their learning. And there might be some where it's more teacher-driven or modeled or guided, but a balance. But imagine that a child has a good portion of their learning experience driven by their passions, driven by their questions. And because the whole campus, the whole community does not buy into it, they go to the next year level. And their teacher who does not believe in learner agency, who's more a traditional teacher, how is that going to impact the child? So we need to look at the bigger picture and try to trust the process that it will work out. Take it a little bit at a time and ultimately be kind to ourselves. So reminder, there are simple things that we can do. Simple things. Looking at how our day is structured, getting our kids more involved in that, building those relationships with each other, having opportunities to share and to build ideas and just to be and collaborate and to share 
And that ties in with that collaboration piece, meshing and and um, those ideas together and coming up with something better than you could on your own. Then utilizing resources um, for a variety of ways and experimenting with their usage and also redefining together the learning um, the actual learning environment and creating a different experience, trying to see different ways that we can use the environment to promote agency, to promote inquiry, so our students can be their best selves. So, reminder, it, you, will you must take this one step at a time. This is not a race, but one step at a time. We can do this. You have the tools. Just take it and piecemeal it. Try it. That's all you can do. And if, as you practice and you feel more comfortable with it, then you'll take a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, ultimately, you'll be moving closer to that goal of becoming um, an agentic learner yourself and promoting agency as you go along. So this has been another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. Man, I've loved this section on agency. I'm so glad you stuck it out with me. Now our next episode, we're going to start talking about action. And then we're going to look at that relationship of agency and action. So I hope to see you um, next time as we continue this journey together. Have a wonderful day.